This is Eileen Ray McCann. From time to time on What's Up With Water, we'll be introducing long-form interviews of important voices in the water space in our series, Speaking of Water. Today, Circle of Blues' Brett Walton discusses U.S. drinking water habits and their relationship with socioeconomic status with Assistant Professor Asher Rossinger from Penn State University. I'm Brett Walton, a Circle of Blue reporter. In the last few years, contaminants in U.S. drinking water have frequently made headlines, from lead in Flint to toxic algae in Toledo to nitrate in farming communities across the country. More and more people are asking a question once thought preposterous in the U.S. That question, do I trust my tap water? It turns out that the answer to that question is very different for different groups of people. Today, I'm speaking with Asher Rosinger, an assistant professor of biobehavioral health and anthropology at Penn State University. He was the lead author for a study published in February that examined tap water consumption in the U.S. Asher, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. Excellent. So trust, tap water consumption, the implications of your study, we'll get to all that in a few minutes. But first, I have to ask you about your professional title, which might help our listeners understand how you approach these issues. So the question is, what is biobehavioral health? Yeah, so biobehavioral health is an innovative and interdisciplinary program designed to explore health from all angles here at Penn State. It's a unique program in that our scholarship focuses on how biological, behavioral, psychological, sociocultural, and environmental variables interact to influence health across timescales and levels of analysis. And for me, that means that I use methods from several fields in line with my training, including anthropology, nutrition, epidemiology, to try to understand how people meet their water needs and what are the consequences of different strategies in terms of hydration status, gastrointestinal illness risk, exposures to unsafe water, weight gain, and stress. So you're looking not just at a disease or particular outcome, but you're looking at everything that goes into that, the, in the environment, the culture, the personal decisions. Yeah, exactly. So my PhD is in anthropology and human biology, specifically in the Bolivian Amazon, where there's a very low access to clean water. And Overall, I try to understand how all of these variables like environmental access, environment exposures, affect how people make decisions about which water sources they use, and then the resulting health consequences, which can be drastic and far-reaching from infectious disease risk to chronic disease risk as people shift from drinking water to drinking more calorically rich beverages like sodas, and then how that affects weight gain, risk of diabetes, so you started PhD work in, in South Africa or South America, and now this study, which was published in February of the journal Public Health Nutrition, looked at tap water consumption in the U.S. And so what, what did you find and what were you? So this study was really trying to understand where U.S. adults are getting their plain water. Plain water meaning? Plain water meaning liquid H2O. You can get water from a lot of different beverages and foods. We wanted to hone in on just plain drinking water. And there is variation in terms of where people are getting their plain water, but we wanted to look at different populations and pockets within the United States, especially after the, the Flint water crisis, to try to understand, are people who might have higher levels of distrust potentially drinking more bottled water and shifting away from tap water sources? And what did you find? So overall, we found that non-Hispanic Black and Hispanic adults were half as likely to drink tap water and more than twice as likely to drink bottled water on a given day. 
We also found that adults born outside the United States and those with less education were also more likely to drink bottled water. So the first aspect of the study was really trying to characterize who was using these different plain water sources. And then we wanted to understand how much of their water intake was coming from these different sources. So the second aspect of the study, we were able to quantify that non-Hispanic black and Hispanic adults are actually getting on a given day more than half of their plain water from bottled water. And non-Hispanic whites, in contrast, getting three quarters of their plain water from tap sources. These, these results, they're looking at particular years or particular time period? Yeah. For this study, we looked at the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey from 2007 to 2014. There weren't significant differences between these years. So we looked at two four-year segments. And this is a cross-sectional data. So we weren't measuring the same people over time, but it was nationally representative. So we're able to say U.S. adults are consuming this much water or are using tap or bottled water sources. You're looking at a at a person in general, not a particular individual and what has changed or influenced their behavior, but looking at the U.S. as a whole and saying these are the, the patterns in these seven years. Correct. Eight years. because it's, it's yeah. And so how did, how did the people provide information about their drinking water habits? Yeah. So one of the interesting aspects of this study that is a bit unique is that we actually looked at dietary intake reports, which means that we measured over the last 24 hours using 24-hour dietary recall, all of their dietary intake for that day. And from that, we were able to quantify whether people consumed tap or bottled water, any sort of water. You can also look at if they consumed sugar-sweetened beverages or different types of foods. We honed in on water for this. And dietary recall data, especially the 24-hour multiple pass method that we used, is more robust in terms of just asking specific questions of, did you drink water? Because we're able to ask through multiple probes over the length of the interview about different times during the day that a person may have consumed water. And then so 24-hour recall, meaning people were told to write down or were interviewed the next day about what they did the previous day. So it was the people using their memories to basically say, this is how much I consumed. Correct. And so it's a recall method and there are known limitations with it, but it was for the previous 24 hours from midnight to midnight on the preceding day of, to the interview. The results that you found, uh, pretty significant differences between minority groups in the U.S. in their tap water consumption. And you said the, the Flint scandal with, with lead in drinking water is what kind of prompted you to look at this issue. Uh, but the data, it seems like, come from before time Flint made headlines. Absolutely. I'll, I'll give you a little uh, precursor to what motivated this study as well. I was living in Washington, D.C. in 2015 to 2017, right around the time of the, the Flint water scandal. And I actually lived above a, a grocery store. So on a daily basis, I would go into it. And as an anthropologist, I would be curious when I would see people queued up in line buying 36 packs of bottled water. The neighborhood that I lived in was very diverse. There was a lot of non-Hispanic black as well as Hispanic adults in the neighborhood. And more often than not, they were buying these huge packs of bottled water. So I would ask them while standing in line, you know, why are you buying this bottled water? And they would say, you know, don't be ridiculous. How 
could you trust the tap water? Why would you drink that? And some even mentioned the 2001 DC water lead scandal, which at that point, I think I had already forgotten about. But the fact that even more than a decade later, some residents in Washington, D.C. won't drink tap water speaks volumes about how hard it is to reestablish trust in areas with a history of water issues. Right. So these can really be traumatic incidences that resonate not just the next day or the next week or the next year, but through decades. Yeah, absolutely. And so that experience coupled with my own personal experience living in the Bolivian Amazon, kind of where... You know, I've been studying water-related issues from this type of angle for about 10 years. And I know from personal experience that experiences around water, particularly negative ones, can change our behavior for long periods of time. When I was studying and living in the Bolivian Amazon for more than a year over 2013, 2014, I didn't have access to clean water, so I would filter my water daily. When I got back to the U.S., it took me months before I could drink tap water without a voice in the back of my head telling me I was going to get sick, despite the U.S. having one of the best public water systems and water qualities in the world. So this experience of a traumatic experience, like you said, or a negative experience, it really does persist with us. There's a couple implications here that I want to discuss, and I know not all of them were addressed in the study and perhaps out of the bounds of, of that line of inquiry, but one of which is health consequences. The, the shift, uh, personal consumption shift from tap water to bottled water, what, what does that do or what, does that, what doors does that open for potential health issues? One of the major public health implications when you start looking at differences in where people are getting their plain water for tap versus bottled water come down to a few key issues and also regulation and who's doing water quality testing. If people shift to bottled water, which is not regulated by the Environmental Protection Agency's Clean Water Act, obviously, it's regulated by the, F by the FDA. There are differences in fluoride delivery and exposure to chemical contaminants and, and pathogens. Some previous studies have found that higher proportions of sampled bottled water had fluoride levels below the recommended amount and higher bacterial counts than tap water. So despite bottled water being vastly more expensive than bottled water, it's oftentimes at a lower quality than tap water is. Bottled water being vastly more expensive than tap water. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the, the economic uh, issue is another uh, to bring up is people are paying a lot more for bottled water than for tap water. Yeah. You, bottled water can be 240 to 10,000 times more expensive than tap water. And when you think about the specific vulnerable populations who are relying on bottled water, potentially because they don't trust their tap water or they have had a personal experience that was negative with it, oftentimes these vulnerable populations are in the lower economic brackets or lower education. So they're spending far more of their income on bottled water, which is not to say that it's not a rational decision. If they don't trust their tap water, then absolutely they want to protect themselves, they want to protect their kids, and it can be a rational decision. It's just the economic implications are quite vast because each dollar that a person spends on, on bottled water is a dollar that doesn't then go to support municipal water systems. Right, and that's the, the other issue I wanted to bring up is that we have this I don't know if you want to call it a culture of mistrust, but certainly mistrust among certain segments of the U.S. population that's leading to 
distrust in their tap water at the same time that there's big need for investment in water systems. And so do, do the two, are they conflicting trains here where people are less likely or less willing to, to pay for and support investment in that water system when they have distrust of what's coming out of their taps? I think that it, it can be, but I would also say that there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel in the sense that one of the other findings from our study was that adults that used water filters in their house were significantly more likely to drink tap water. And we know that water filters can filter out more than 99% of lead and other contaminants and disease particles or pathogens. So we can implement water filters as a way to encourage tap water consumption, but at the same time, that doesn't necessarily get to the root cause of the issue, which is distrust and whether people are happy with their tap water. So if they're distrustful or they're unhappy with their tap water, then yeah, they may opt out of the system and they may try to go on one of these fads with you know, raw water, which is very dangerous and increases your risk of getting a number of diseases like Giardia, which I can tell you is very unpleasant. And then probably the, the broadest question, and I don't know if you have thoughts on this at all, but how we got to, to this point in the U.S. with this level of mistrust that's arising up. Understandable in communities where there's been a traumatic experience, but in national polls in the last year or two, it seems like contaminated drinking water has been rising up the list of public concerns. And so I'm wondering, is that fault of uh, public officials? Is it the fault of journalists who report on only the bad news? Is it the fault of people for not understanding what's put out there? Like what, what goes into this ecosystem of, of mistrust? Trust is a really interesting question. I don't know if you can specifically point to one action in particular, but oftentimes salient events in the news can make people overestimate the scope of a problem. That being said, so when they hear about a huge public infrastructure, infrastructure failing like the Flint water scandal, that then makes people think, well, maybe my water is unsafe to drink. And as more and more investigations go on and more news reports come about, that can make people overestimate the extent of the problem. However, water supplies and the water infrastructure is one of these invisible things We've gotten to a point where we turn on, we open the tap and we just take for granted that we can have clean water. And it was one of the you know, revolutions of the 20th century public health, the delivery of clean tap water to the population, which the US population, which has increased health, reduced a number of disease burdens in the US, reduced childhood mortality. And because it's invisible, we kind of forget about the need for repair. And it's a lot harder to motivate public sentiment and spending when we just kind of assume, oh, our water is okay. But the water infrastructure in the US needs to be repaired. There needs to be significant investment in repairing it, even though it's not a sexy topic. You know, oh, we need new sewage lines, we need new water pipes in a lot of different municipalities. But if we wanna to continue to rely and have some of the best tap water in the world, that is the investment that needs to be. I think you just gave a stump speech for being mayor. <laughs> uh, what's, what's next for, for research? What direction does this go now? So one of the new research projects that I'm involved in is called the Water Insecurity Experiences Scale. 
So I'm part of a, a large team that's actually trying to cross-culturally validate a measure of water insecurity across the globe and in the future also in the United States. We're trying to understand what are the experiences around water insecurity in terms of lack of access, water quality, and then moving forward, how does that affect health and stress and risk of infectious diseases? We're looking at this across the globe and right now in about 28 different sites across the world. And we have collaborators at Northwestern. A couple of the leads are Sarah Young and then Amber Wudich and Wendy Jepson at Arizona State and Texas A&M respectively. So this is a big group level attempt to try to look at water and water insecurity in particular and how it varies across the globe because we don't have the same metrics to measure it in the same way that we can with food insecurity. All right. Well, we will look forward to those results when they come out. Yeah. This has been another Hotspots H2O podcast. I've been speaking with Asher Rosinger, an assistant professor at Penn State University, about tap water in the U.S. and trust. For coverage of U.S. drinking water issues and other global water news, check out circleofblue.org. That was Circle of Blue's Brett Walton with Penn State University assistant professor Asher Rossinger as part of our featured interview series, Speaking of Water. For Circle of Blue, I'm Eileen Ray McCann.